Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you're listening to Smart, Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. Supporting women is my passion and my purpose, and talking with other women and men who promote women's leadership is one of my favorite things to do. Their stories connect us and help us understand that we can do anything if we support each other and lift women up. These amazing conversations gave me the stories and the wisdom from my earlier book, Leading Women. And they've also inspired my newest book, which came out in 2019, called In This Together, How Successful Women Support Each Other in Work and Life. Now, this week, I'm pleased to welcome Rachel Feldman. Rachel is a film director, a screenwriter, a veteran television director with more than 70 credits in dramatic series. Besides recently directing multiple episodes of Blue Bloods, The Rookie, Criminal Minds, and the pilot and full season of The Baxter, she also created and wrote Dr. Novak, a new one-hour drama in partnership with CEM and Phoenix Film, and will direct the pilot to her award-winning script. But the project I'm most excited about is her newest screenplay, Lily, which is based on the life of fair pay icon Lily Ledbetter, and will saw Golden Globe winner Patricia Clarkson as Lily. Rachel will direct the political thriller, which is the tradition of other movies about heroic women fighting for social justice, such as Silkwood and Aaron Brockovich. I can't wait to see Lily's personal story brought to life. As a female director in Hollywood, Rachel understands gender inequity and has been an advocate for women directors for decades, formerly serving as the chair of the DG Women's Steering Committee She's also been interviewed in many documentaries about gender equity in the film industry, including This Changes Everything, produced by Gina Davis, Amy Adrian's Half the Picture, and Bloomberg TV Celluloid Stealings. I'm very pleased to welcome Rachel Feldman to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy and find out more about Lily. She is one amazing, busy woman. Welcome, Rachel. Well, this is a conversation about you, Rachel, about okay. what you're doing and that you, uh, you've got amazing credits. Uh, you are a film director, a screenwriter. You do it all. But you started from ground zero, as many women do in this business, and then you broke through, and you, you've been directing some amazing, amazing films, TV, etc. But we're going to talk about your big one. But first of all, let's talk about you. How did you get to be you? How in the world did you become a director? So I want you to go back, tell us your story, because you are about storytelling. So tell me your story. Well, thank you. First of all, I'm really honored to be here and thrilled to be talking to you today. So thank you so much, Dr. Nancy. I was a little girl who had a very big imagination, and now I'm a grown woman who has a very big imagination, and that (laughs) has never changed. And my imagination has done very well for me and kept me company and taken care of me when things were not so great. Um, uh, My mother was a movie lover. She really didn't value her level of knowledge but you know she grew up in the depression she was a first generation american the movies were very important to her and to her parents who barely spoke english and so i grew up loving the movies that my mother had grown up on so even though i didn't realize that i was getting an education as a little girl but when you know when we were kids as you remember there were sure. not even DVDs. You know, you couldn't go right. to a little art house theater and see a film. So she used to wake me up in the middle of the night 
and say, you know, you have to see how green was my valley or now Voyager or Shane or, you know. So we would drink chocolate milk and watch movies at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. And so I fell in love with the movies like my mother. And at a very young age, I think sort of the primitive filmmaking jump to conclusion is I want to be an actor because you see these beautiful faces on a big giant screen. And I think all of us have that impulse, oh, I want to be an actor. And so... I was a professional child actor. I started working when I was five. I had some great credits. I was in The Defenders. Richard Kiley was my father in in The Defenders. And, you know, I worked until I was about 12, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I had over 100 credits in those years, and I became a very successful child actor, primarily in commercials and in voices. I did a lot of voices, a lot of voiceovers. I was the voice of Lucy and Peanuts. And I sang, I did jingles. But by the time I was a teenager... You know, and I think this was from the recording aspect of it and being on sets at such a young age. I thought of myself as a technician. I really loved putting my eye behind the camera and looking at the set and saying to the cameraman, because they were always men in those days, how much of me do you see? I didn't understand the vocabulary of a wide shot or a medium shot or a close-up, but I understood the size of me in in the scope of the shot. And same thing went with when I was recording voices, talking to the engineer on the other side of the glass, you know, three, two, one, you know, and then doing the looping for other actors. So by the time I was 11 or 12, I was like, I don't want to wear the itchy costumes. I don't want to wear the horrible pancake makeup. And stop looking at me. You know, I want to look at you. Yeah. And wow. I, I always drew and painted. And so I was also a visual artist in photography. And it was always writing stories. And so, you know, just being an actor wasn't enough for me. I also wanted the visual piece and the storytelling piece. And so as I grew mm-hmm. up, I developed those other skills as a visual artist and as a storyteller. And by the time they all sort of coalesced, I graduated from Sarah Lawrence College. And it had never occurred to me that I could be a director because I had never seen a woman on a set in all those years that I had been working. And I I saw an article in the New York Times about European women film directors. It was about Agnes Varda and Lena Wurtmiller. And I, I literally had an epiphany. I thought, holy shit, I can put all of these things together and become a filmmaker. So I went to yeah. graduate school, and I went with a three-year program, and I made a lot of short films while I was there, and my graduate thesis film won a lot of awards, and then suddenly I was thrust into the industry, and it was very quiet. And while I saw that the young men yeah. were doing well, really none of the girls that I graduated with, yeah. not, not, none of them could get mm-hmm. any traction. Yeah, yeah um, I, I mentioned earlier that I went to the uh, Santa Barbara Film Festival. I guess that's a pretty uh, amazing film festival, at least it has been since before COVID. But, I mean, you know, the, all the actors and the films that have come to sure. Santa Barbara. But there was a panel of women directors that talked about the inequity in right. the, the film business and that basically about 90% of the directors were men and very, very few women. And, of course, this is probably five years ago. So, I mean, I know... Things have changed somewhat, but uh, again, where, where are you at with the inequity today? You know, just yesterday the Academy Award nominations came out, and two women were nominated in the Best Director category. So that's huge progress in 92 yeah. years. There have only been five or six women nominated at all, two or three that have won. And yesterday we had two together in the same category, and, and one woman of color, you know. So... 
I think for me personally, I think it's very interesting to be at the age that I am because I think for all of us where we sit in history changes our perspective, right? I came up at a time where, where there were virtually a handful, maybe three to five women working in film and television when I came up. It was such an anomaly. It was such a rarity. And the conventional wisdom and the thinking, you know, the prevalent unconscious or conscious bias was so enormous. And everybody sort of bought into it. And I have to say that three years ago, I really do think this timed out with the the arrest of Harvey Weinstein and the Me Too... And, and Time's Up campaigns, and I was also part of the leadership of the, the Directors Guild of America, and with a couple of friends of I, we went to the EEOC and went to the ACLU, and we started a potential lawsuit. We uh, restarted, started to investigate uh, hiring practices in Hollywood for women, and I think the industry got a little bit scared again with that because there had been a suit 30 years sure. earlier that had scared them. Sure. And so I think there was a confluence of events three years ago, and as Melissa Silverstein of Women in Hollywood likes to say, there was a gender quake. And I think that happened really just <laughs> yeah. three years ago, but it made an enormous, enormous difference. And so things really have yeah. changed very quickly in the last couple of yeah. years. Well, you know, I, I say this, uh, you know, when I'm speaking in front of groups, and you can't be what you can't see, what you can't read about, and what you don't hear about. And th- this, right. th- this continues to be huge. You know, we're supposedly going to have the most diverse cabinet we've ever had in our history. And, of course, now we're going, we're going to see women coming out in roles. And as far as diversity, Native American women, women mm. of color. I mean, we're going to start yep. seeing women who are definitely coming out. And I'm sure in the film industry, it's just as important for young women to see them as well. You know, Women Connect for Good. The mission of Women Connect for Good is very simple, supporting the mission, the dreams, and the passion of other women. Right. And, of course, one of the ways I've done that is with Take the Lead. And I know you're a graduate yes. of the media and entertainment cohort. Yes, uh, I 50 women can the, change the actually, world. Yeah, I was at the graduation, and I, I don't know that, uh, I mean, I did speak for a few, just briefly there, but uh, I was so excited to meet all the women and graduates, and, and of course you were one, but what I really was most impressed with was, was the amount of support each woman was giving each other, but again, the discussions about how can we work together, how can we help each other. And I think that has been the success of Take the Lead, is that when these cohorts are formed, it becomes this amazing network of yes. women who are supporting each other. And really, you know, I've got your back. I mean, this is, a, yes. this is an industry, you've got to have somebody's back and somebody helping you along. And so who helped you? Who was your supporter? Who was your cheerleader? Who were your allies? Oof, that's a very good question, and um, I want to go back and I want to talk about 50 women who can too. So, so I will say, who were my allies and my mentors coming up as a director? I really yeah. didn't have any, and it, and it was it's a tremendous um, <clears throat> sadness, and you know, I needed them. I needed people to advise me. There yeah. were some very very dark and quiet years when I knew what I wanted and I was tenacious and determined and I worked hard and I just continued to direct and write everything that I possibly could but I was just swimming up you know against a current and yeah. I didn't know if I was doing it right or if I was doing wrong or why it was so difficult and 
I really didn't have mentors, which is why for me, it's so important for me to mentor others. And I was yeah. recently speaking to a couple of other women filmmakers, you know, of my generation, women over 50, and they were all saying the same thing. It's like, I love to mentor, and most of it is because I never had one. Which is not to say that there weren't people who gave me breaks. I mean, Stephen Bochco gave me my first job directing Doogie Howser in television. Yeah. That was an amazing break for which I will forever be grateful. But that wasn't easy either. And I worked, you know, two, three years just to get that one particular job. So I wish I did have them, and I didn't. And uh, one of the other things that's so beautiful about 50 Women Who Can and Take the Lead is now that I am actually making a feature film, one of the women that came aboard to help me as an executive producer to help me raise money and raise the funds is a Josie Sarta, who I met through the program. Yeah. So you're absolutely yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It works. Yeah, uh, I'm the chair, the board chair of Take the Lead. And so uh, we watch very carefully how these cohorts are literally changing the world just by what they're doing <laughs> internally yeah. and the yeah. support. I mean, it's, it's so exciting. It gives you goose, goosebumps to see what yeah, goes on. You. Yeah, what we hear from women who have actually gone through the curriculum and have gone through the process and become a part of this community is that I never had this experience till, of support until I came and uh, until I did this uh, educational process. And now yeah. the, the community and the friendships and, the, like I said, the network has just been tremendous. Well, yeah. let, well, let's talk about something very, very exciting because Women Connect for Good is also a sponsor of this upcoming huge event. And, you know, your activism and your call to action and uh, your background really draws upon your excitement about this project. So let's talk about that because I think, again, this is going to be one of those films that, uh, I mean, this is going to be one of those things that people will really generate because I, I definitely, once we get started, I'll talk about my own story as far as pay and equity. So, but let's talk about this new project that you're Thanks. doing and getting ready to yeah. to. Put, put out there for the public. Yes, absolutely. So I'm making a narrative feature film, not a documentary, and really not a biopic. I talk about this as a political thriller based on the incredible, remarkable life of Lily Ledbetter, the fair pay pioneer about whom President Obama named his very first piece of legislation, the Lily Ledbetter Fair Pay Restoration Act of 2009. I did not really know who Lily was until I was watching the Democratic Convention when uh, President Obama was nominated, and she was one of the speakers who came out and spoke about fair pay. And I, you know, it was another one of these moments in my life where I had an epiphany. You know, I just, I heard her voice and I saw her face and I heard her ferocity and I thought, oh, I've got to know what this woman's story is. And I researched her story and she was an Alabama tire factory supervisor, a night supervisor. Mm -hmm. And while Mm -hmm. she was raising two children you know, a wife and a mother, worked nights for 20 years at the Goodyear Tire Factory in Alabama where she endured tremendous sexual harassment and a toxic environment of the worst kind with, you know, just good old boys who filled her car with tobacco spit and punctured her tires and broke her windshield and teased her and touched her and minimized her. She just lived through 20 miserable years and took it because it was the best 
paying job in her county. She had grown up in poverty, and she was determined to give her children a middle-class life. And her husband and she were both struggling financially, and she persuaded him to let her get a job because in that time and place, men's egos were very easily bruised when women got jobs. And she was married to a great man, and he understood that she wanted to work and needed to work, and so she took this job for 20 years and then found out that they were paying her 40% less than what they were paying even the young man that they had hired like the month before. And so, you know, she decided to sue them, and it was a very, very long process, and it's an incredible story, not only the legal and political aspects of the story, but her personal story, her psychological story, and that was the aspect of it that really hit home for me as someone who has also endured tremendous exclusion in my own industry, though you know, being a Hollywood film director is far different than being an Alabama factory worker. Our experiences sure. as women being excluded because of our sex in the workplace were very similar. Right, absolutely. And so I I got the rights. You know, we became very dear friends, Lily and I. She's a vibrant, incredible woman. I work with her, you know, on a weekly basis, uh, and I became friends with her attorney and the woman who wrote her memoir. There's a beautiful memoir called Grace and Grit, written by Lily and Lanier Isom, which I recommend everyone to read. And I wrote a script, and it's a, been a long journey for me, but I have to say we just signed Patricia Clarkson, the Academy Award-nominated Golden Globe-winning actress to star as Lily. So yeah. now we're really taking off, and it's a when very... You, when you, uh, again, she is an amazing actress, but what was her take, and what really drew, drew her to this story to portray Lily and become that persona? What really do you think brought her to that that decision that here's what I want to do, here's what I want to be, here's what I want the world to know? What what do you think brought her to that decision? Are you talking about Patricia Clarkson? Yeah. It's a wonderful story. So uh, Patricia Clarkson, you know, got the script in the way in the traditional way that actors get them, you know, through our casting director and through our producer and through her agent and through her manager. So that was the traditional thing. And then we heard that she loved the script and then I got on a Zoom call with her, which is you know, typical what an actor and a director will do to see if they want to work together. And mm-hmm. I had done some research about her already, but I didn't – I mean, I, I was just delighted to meet this extraordinary woman who grew up in a political home. So Patricia's own mother, Jackie Clarkson, she grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana. Yeah. Her mother was a councilwoman and, and involved in city government and – supporting girls and women all throughout her career. This was one of the things that Jackie Clarkson has made a career of. So Patricia grew up the the youngest of five girls with this incredibly powerful political mother. (laughs) And uh, she is awestruck. She is so delighted and thrilled and honored to play this important woman. And she truly understands the Lily Ledbetter's place in American history, in, in global history, in, in women's history. Yeah. And it was just announced last week in Variety and then picked up by over 50 publications all over the world. So I'm just thrilled. And I know I should know these statistics, but what is the pay rate today? Men versus white women, men versus uh, women of color, and it goes further Boy, down I wish to I could Latinos. 
I, I don't want to be the one to give you those exact numbers. Yeah, I think I it's, it's still, I think it's 60 cents or 70 cents on the dollar. I think, I think it's about it, 69 cents or 70 cents for white women and Yeah, lower. and then it goes down about 10, yeah. Yeah, about 10 cents for each different uh, group of women. Black women. Right, right now, one of the biggest things that is going on since COVID began are women that have left the workforce. This is mm-hmm. huge. It's absolutely yeah. huge. And, of course, Take the Lead and Women Connect for Good, one of our goals is to get these women back to work get yeah. them back to jobs, but leadership and, and training and reinvention and, you know, reinventing and reimaging themselves to get back in the workplace. I think this movie is going to be, you know, again, what we don't know, what we don't see, what we don't read about, we don't understand. And this is right. something I think in general, awareness is key. Still, right. today, 2021, the inequity of that women face not only in the job market but as far as pay equity and and as, as i said i've just got a little story this happened to me also i was working for a large healthcare system and i was a, a psychologist and um you know i mean i also did my research and found out that um, men psychologists uh, were getting more money than women psychologists and it, you know and until we actually go in and really ask these questions and find these things out a lot of times we sit back and, and women especially just kind of go, oh, well, you know, but this is going to, I think this is going to change a lot of people's thinking and when they see still in 2021 what is going on. So uh, what, what, are you, what are your hopes for this movie? Because I think her story is amazing. It's one of uh, personal triumph, but it's also one of dedication, tenacity, and also hope. I personally believe, listen, I'm a filmmaker, I'm a storyteller, and one of the reasons why I was so attracted to Lily's story is it it just has the hallmarks of every great narrative story built into it. Um, I believe that a great story and a powerful film that makes you feel, that has heartbreak and has euphoria, and has tension, and keeps you on the edge of the seat, and makes you want to eat popcorn, and is entertaining while it influences you, is the most powerful form of persuasion that we have. And so I'm in this to make an entertainment. And are the political and legal achievements of Lily's life absolutely the architecture of the plot that the emotion sits on of course of course they are but i'm not out to make a film about fair pay as you just said i'm out to make a film about tenacity and perseverance and about how women or anyone who has ever been othered or excluded right can that there that there is the potential for hope for for fighting for justice that's that's the message of lily let, let me just add this because I think, again, it goes back to, you know, personally, uh, Rachel, I see the faces of the people that supported me along the way. I also see the, the faces of the people who did not. And her story, your story, my story is about support. It's about the people who lifted me up or lifted you up or lifted Lily up and are lifting her up even now uh, that helped her to become who she is today. And who were her supporters? I mean, again, she no doubt had a family that really supported her. Otherwise, she couldn't have continued to advocate and to continue the 
to go after you know the, the tire company and the pay inequity and so well who were her her again who were her oh supporters? god this is such a good question first of all charles ledbetter her husband was her childhood yeah. sweetheart and the love of her life. And right. Charles was a remarkable guy. And their love story is a beautiful, beautiful thing that holds her together. And without his strength and without his love, I don't know that she would have been able to endure what she endured. And she also has two beautiful children, Vicki and Philip. Beyond mm-hmm. that, um, when she reached out to John Goldfarb, who was a civil rights attorney in Birmingham, Alabama, it was like a Pygmalion story. You know, he saw in this tired, abused, older worker a story of uh, inequity and justice, and he said, you know, I'm going to take your case on pro bono, and I'm going to fight to the finish. And they developed yeah. this beautiful relationship, and John took her all the way through the Supreme Court, and then in Supreme Court she lost to a very famous five to four decision where another one of her advocates, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, spoke from the bench in a very rare dissent and said to her, Congress, you know, we've made a mistake here. Congress needs to fix this. You need to go to Congress and you need to figure this out. And, you know, she came home and, and was greeted by women from the National Women's Law Center, from the ACLU, from AAUW, and these Mm -hmm. feminists, these women's organizations came to her and gave her strength and taught her, you know, what to say and how to walk the walk and how to talk the talk and helped her, paid for some of her flights and food and hotels while she stayed in Congress and made all the introductions to the Congress people. And then some of these Congress people became her advocates. And and then so did the Obamas and so did the Bidens. And people really took up her cause and saw the beauty of her story. And now we're doing the same for her by lifting her up, by telling her story to the world. Well, I, I think your timing is very, very good. I think I think right now we want true stories, but we want stories of, you know, we want to champion. We want to, to help. Yeah. We want to help each other. So I think, I think the timing is really perfect for this debut of the film. And uh, I, I, well, I'm, I'd love to, I'm going to be there. I want to be there when it comes out. Because, again. <laughs> We'd love to have you. And, I, and I'd love to say that we're hoping to shoot this year in the South. We're hoping to. And if anyone wants to know more about the project, we have a website, which is www.lilymovie.com. Lily spelt with two L's. So L-I-L-L-Y-M-O-V-I-E.com. Yeah. You already have some good support of uh, different I organizations, the Gina Davis. But, but again, why don't you tell us who's supporting? And I think, uh, again, this is a, a great one to jump on board with because it will really, I think anyone who joins in supporting and, and sponsoring and, and helping with the production of this film will only assist them. And I think it's the collaboration and it's the connection that we have with each other that's really just going to push push us all forward. Uh, together to make this successful. So talk about that for a little bit and then talk about where they can go to uh, sponsor and to help with the funding. Thank you. I love that. Traditionally in the past, documentaries were the area where people went to make movies about social issues, you know, 
previously documentaries were really that domain. In the last you know, many years, and certainly we have examples going all the way back to, you know, Norma Ray or Aaron Brockovich or Silkwood or, you know, and recently right. Spotlight. I, I, so feature films have now become much more involved in social issue movies with a dramatic uh, flair. And we are building, along with the film, we're building an impact campaign. And I have a whole team of people who are working with philanthropies, with corporations, uh, creating partnerships so that when the film is released, we will have an impact campaign that will live on longer than the film, that will protect women's safety in the workplace. And right now in terms of the film, we have partners with the Gina Davis Institute of Gender and Media, the National Women's Law Center, which was one of the organizations that I just mentioned that helped Lily. They have also come yeah. aboard as our partner. Um, the Female Quotient has come aboard as a partner, and we're in conversation with many, many others that it's a little early to speak of on the radio because, uh, on the <laughs> podcast, because it's premature. We haven't signed any contracts, but we're in conversations with so many impressive and beautiful, yeah. important institutions yeah. that really want to support the film as well as the impact campaign once that comes alive. Um, we do have a fiscal sponsor, so people are donating to the film, nonprofit contributions through the Film Collaborative, um, and we are also talking to investors as well. And anyone can find out all this information, again, on our website, lilymovie.com. Yeah. Well, I know it's going to be extremely successful, and uh, uh, Women Connect for Good, Take the Lead, we're very pleased to be a part of that collaboration and only see good things coming from it. And, you know, it's time in our history and it's time in all our lives right now some good things happen. So I am looking forward to that. Rachel, it's been delightful talking to you. Lily, a political thriller. I love that. <laughs> a political thriller. <laughs> Me too. I love, Me too. I love true, true stories. It's one of my favorite things to watch. So I'll look forward to more information, and, of course, how women can connect for good and how we can support and promote the movie. Please uh, let us know. And uh, you take good care of yourself and continue to do the, do the good things, make this world a better thank place. Thank you so much, Nancy. Thank you very, very much for the time and the attention. And thank you to Gloria Fells for introducing us and for Josie Sarda for putting us together again, and for all the amazing, incredible work that you do for women. I was very, very honored to be part of Take the Lead. Well, back at you. And, and again, we'll continue that relationship, and other good things will come from it. So have a wonderful day, and get you to too. work. You too. Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> uh, Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you enjoy these smart, amazing conversations, please subscribe, rate, and review them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Thank you.